The episode you are about to hear contains explicit words. The opinions within are those of the hosts and in no way imply that anyone listening to this podcast agrees with anything we say. Please send complaints to thisflippinpodcast at gmail.com. Welcome everyone to episode 113 of this flipping podcast. I'm Tommy Skinner, joined by my partner in crime and co-host Taylor Reese. It's been summer vacation. I sadly go back to school in just three days. Uh, we're recording here on August 6, 2021. Uh, there's some happenings in the pinball world. I've been working on restoring a game all summer and just wrap that up. We haven't really talked about the Mandalorian's gameplay with Taylor since he's gotten to play it yet. We're going to cover a little bit of all of that and who knows what else as we tend to ramble. But thanks for tuning in. And Taylor, how's it going, man? So it's going okay. Um, obviously, we're we're still in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, I don't know if people have heard about that, but that's a thing. And we... So I am I am currently in a situation where one of my kids had an exposure at a birthday party. Oh, nice. And, Good and so we just found out about it. So right now I am supposed to be on the road to go see my, my brother, his kids, my sister and her kid. Oh, Tommy's giving the eyeball to, is it a dog? It's the dog. The dog wants to, the dog wants to keep talking. Um, <laughs> but so we basically had to cancel our vacation plans. So, we are, um, yeah, so that, that's kind of a, a bummer, but you know, my daughter's, my daughter's really good about masking up and stuff. And so hopefully like it was a birthday party outside. She was wearing a mask most of the time, but it sucks. Have to be careful. Our kids actually go back and they're supposed to go back in three weeks. Um, and right now they're trying to figure out like the whole mask mandate thing, if they're going to do it, if they're not. So there's, we have a lot of uncertainty right now. So not, yeah. So not trying to be a kind of a, a pill, but that's kind of what we're dealing with in my household. So it's kind of a bummer. Yeah. Alyssa's school corporation goes back next week as well. And they just passed a mask mandate again last week. My corporation has already said uh, we are not wearing masks, you know, so. 
I will be just yeah. because of life circumstances and things going on that I want to be a little extra careful yeah. for. Uh, <clears throat> but uh, yeah, it's what it is, man. Like it's, it's some of those things, you know. If you can, you know, if you if you're not at an at risk group of the vaccine, I, I trust the scientists. You should probably go and get that. get vaccinated. Uh, I mean, yeah, I'm not. I I got the Johnson and Johnson, yeah. and I just found out that basically because of its lower effective rate, I can actually go back and get Moderna or Pfizer at this point. Yeah. So I think I'll be doing that this week here before school gets started or while school is getting started, just because I'm going to be exposed to roughly a thousand people a day, at least maybe 1500 at school. And then coming back to uh, work at the bar on the weekends, you know, I'm around several hundred people yeah. every weekend. So for me, it's, it's one of those things where I definitely just want to be on the cautious side. Are are you, um, is your school K through 12 or is it what, what age group are you? Uh, I'm just nine through 12 in my building, but we're actually attached to our middle school, which is six through right. eight. Okay. And then that's a dog, everybody. Lincoln. That's a dog. Yep. And then the elementary school is directly across the street. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I have a middle schooler and a high schooler and you know, my high school is vaccinated. My middle schooler is not cause she's not old enough. So that's, that's a tough thing. So, but yeah, if you, if you, if you are, if you are healthy enough to get the vaccine um, it is proving to be effective. Um, people are talking about like breakthrough cases and stuff like that. I mean, you know, the Pfizer vaccine after or Moderna, I got Moderna. Moderna after six months is still supposed to be 94% effective. So that's an insane efficacy rate. Um, if you know anything about um, the way vaccines work, it's, it's not a a magic pill that's not going to, you know, it's not something where you're just not going to get it. But the data has shown that if you get vaccinated, the likelihood of you getting into a hospital or getting really sick is reduced by 90, over 90%. So if you can do it, I mean, I think that's one of the things that's interesting about like, you know, what's, you know, it's the pinball community. It's a really, it's a really tight knit community because part of it is like there's intimacy when you are playing a game with people because you are within each other's like personal space. Right. Um, so that, yeah, I think, you know, I think especially seeing, and also like just seeing how, how much operators and locations and people and businesses struggled last year, like going into the fall, like the idea that these operators and, our community is going to be affected by lockdowns and the inability to host IFPA events, like do everything you can do to make sure that you protect your community. So vaccinate, if you don't want to get vaccinated, wear a mask when you are around other people, like you, there's, there have been no deaths by mask wearing in the United States. Like, you can breathe through the mask. You can, I mean. Well, what about our freedoms, Taylor? Just so <laughs> here's the thing. Um, the idea, you're, you're, you, you have the right to not get vaccinated. That's great. But once you go out into public, that changes because you are then putting somebody else's health. You are then making a choice as to whether you can put somebody else at risk. And that is where I'm like, no, that's, that's not a, you can't just, you don't get freedom when it steps on somebody else's ability to maintain 
their health. Um, so yeah, so yeah, you have, you have the, if you don't want to wear a mask, you, you're free to do that. But that the CDC has said, everybody has said, if you, everybody who is indoors, whether you are vaccinated or not, should be wearing a mask. Like, so you know that don't go inside, stay outside. You know, like the birthday party my daughter went to was all outside, but you know, whatever. And it, if you're not, and the other thing is, if you're not willing to do these things, like if you're not willing to mask up, if you're not vaccinated and you're not willing to get vaccinated, then don't go to pinball events. Like do not show up because you are putting a, a really tight knit community at risk and people go home, you know, and if somebody else, I, I'm vaccinated, my daughter is not, she cannot be vaccinated. She does not have a choice. So don't make a choice. You know, I, I have, um, I've frozen my, my membership at the Richmond Pinball Collective. I'm not going to be running my league next year because I have an unvaccinated child at home. I cannot risk my kid getting sick because I give her something. So please, if you're in this pinball community, look out for each other and let's do everything we can do in our possible, in our, in our ability to stop the spread of the virus. Cause it's, it's awful, man. And it's, it's getting, I mean, we're at 150,000 cases a day now. Like that's, it's really, it's really bad. <laughs> it sucks. Uh, yeah, we just womp, got womp, IFPA womp. events back and I think everybody wants to keep those. So that's a, a big part of it. I know we just hosted ours. We're still cleaning our machines at the location with the, I believe it was SD90. That's supposed to last up to 90 days on the machine. We're applying it every 30 just to be on the safe side of things and <clears throat> encouraging people to do whatever they feel comfortable with. Some people are coming with masks, some aren't, and it's just kind of what it is right now. But, you know, if you want to keep having fun and you're enjoying pinball in public places, not that, you know, we don't enjoy our home collections, but uh, companies don't make as many games if it's only home people buying. That's just the reality. Like, these were meant to go into businesses. The more locations there are, the more pinball games that get created in general, and the more you can enjoy them. So do your part to help out. And try to stay healthy out there. There you go. That's our PSA. Uh, PSA, for, PSA the for the day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, well, uh, I will say prior to all this, like the Delta, you know, going crazy, I did have a weekend of a, a pinball binge. I don't know what you want to call it. Um, uh, Traveling through Richmond, uh, Jessica DiNardo and Robert Haggard, Haggard, Haggard of Double Danger uh, swung by, stayed at my house for a couple nights. And so I played a lot of pinball a couple weeks ago. Um, you First of all, you always play a lot of pinball. I've seen your audits. I do play so a lot of pinball. Let's, yeah, let's not, let's not get carried away like that was your binge. But I had, I mean, right. like for not really doing that much in the last two years, I had... You know, I had some people, I had a small gathering at my house. I had a small gathering you at my house. You got to do something social. Yeah, I had a small gathering at my house. Um, and then we went to the Richmond Pinball Collective. We went to my friend Dan's location at Center of the Universe Brewing. We went to the Gore Bar. Like, but that night, the first night that they got in, like I had people over and we were up like till it got, it got pretty, it was late. It was like 2 a.m. I'm old. Um, I don't recover from that like I used to, um, <laughs> but it was, it was a lot of fun. Like I had not had that level of fun in a long time because of the pandemic. 
Um, which is another bummer because now I'm like, I'm going kind of back into a personal lockdown to be safe. And so I'm like, man, that was awesome. <laughs> womp womp, you know, like, ah, uh, it sucks. So, but it was, but it was a ton of fun. Um, and obviously like, you know, Jessica brought my kids like some soft plunge pinball t-shirts, which are amazing. If you, you know, if you're not aware of Jessica's brand, then you've got to go check out soft plunge pinball. Um, Robert brought me a really cool shirt. So double danger pinball, of course, if you don't check them out, you should, they both, you know, both of those companies are, um, making some cool stuff and definitely support them. But yeah, we had a, we had a ton of fun and yeah, went to the Gore bar. If you're in Richmond, Virginia, the home of Gore, heavy metal, uh, heavy metal costume band. I don't know what you call them, but, uh, definitely check out the Gore bar. So I'll give a shout out to them as well. Very so nice. social. That's good. We had our, uh, well, it was just last weekend. Uh, <laughs> IFPA stuff came back and, uh, the pinball in Indianapolis hosted a midnight madness tournament. So as soon as midnight struck on August 1st, uh, we did a, a tournament down there. And then the very next afternoon we hosted a, a tournament at North end pub. So it was a, a very busy day for pinball. They had, I think 31 players show up and we had 20 players and, not that competitive pinball has been gone because we've pretty much continued playing since last shoe last fall, late last fall. And we think we started back up in October with competitive stuff at North end, <clears throat> but uh, it, it's cool to see that the IFPA recognition of stuff's coming back. And we had like three brand new players, people who have picked up pinball over uh, since COVID's happened. And a couple of them are like getting really into it. I was talking to one earlier today about like some tips for playing Godzilla and like, tips for just general playing how you nudge and stuff so like it's cool to see there's still new people finding the hobby uh at, at the same time uh those of us are getting to return to that competitive side of things uh, it's been fun and uh i've had a, i've been doing a ton of work on games over the past year i'd say like i switched from playing a ton to i feel like i just work on stuff all the time uh i went through <clears throat> well we're in august and so far this year i've finished the stargazer that I built from scratch, I restored a meteor. And then I just finished re I don't even want to call it a restore slash rebuild or whatever on the, the Bolton escapes cosmic doom. I've been working on that up at uh, our lake house all summer. I've been mostly going up there like Sunday nights through Wednesdays uh, and using some of my time up there to work on that. So it's just been a difference for me on how I've, what part of the hobby I've been partaking in more. Are you doing, are you doing everything now? Like uh, the entire thing of the rest yeah that thing i did absolutely everything on the stargazer uh the meteor i didn't redo the cabinet um because it's in decent shape and i was just putting it on location but i went through everything on that one but at one point weren't you and like weren't, didn't you have like a friend that you were working with like they were helping like do play yeah my swaps? buddy michael helped me do some playfield swaps yeah. while i did the cabinet yeah. for flash gordon okay um, but now you're doing everything but yeah these last few i've done like like Bolton was absolutely everything i i the cabinet that it was found in in a barn was basically like decomposing so i had to get a different game cabinet to convert but repainted that clear coated it um playfield was a cpr did all the swapping myself um i guess i redid skateball last year too during COVID. i forgot about that one but uh yeah uh, i use all new boards shout out to uh andrew and his nvram.weebly website. I love his Bally Stern boards, and he's got a new series on there for your Solenoid driver board that's 
got no high voltage section. And it's cheaper because if you're not using original displays, which if you're restoring a game at this point, there's really no reason for you to use those displays. Yeah. Uh, it eliminates that section entirely. So that's sweet. But I've got those in there. Uh, Volton was a really neat project for me because it's an incredibly rare game. Um, I think I have to look up. I think the production run was maybe 365 um, originally. Oh, wow. And it's from like an era where Bally was just killing it on things. And I'm looking at IPDB right now. Yeah, 365 units confirmed. But um, surrounding it and like the production time period, it's kind of interesting because you've got Playboy right before it, which they sell almost 20,000 units, like 18,250. And it's followed by Supersonic, which sold over 10,000. And then you have Star Trek and Kiss at 16,000 and 17,000. And right in the middle of those is, is Volton Escapes Cosmic Tomb with 365. Because apparently it did so bad at its test locations uh, back in the day that they just canceled production. What? 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 Uh, what okay, <laughs> owning the game, I assume that you played yes. it before you bought one. I. So have you played my one? original plan is yes, I have okay. played one. Uh, when I went down to Tennessee last fall, um, Game Galaxy, I think it is down there, had one. They actually had the one that uh, HEP restored a few years ago. Okay. Um, so I had played it, uh, but like as as my some of my friends like to say, I have like a rare game boner. Like for whatever <laughs> reason, I just love I love rare games. Yeah. Like I think it's very interesting and like. I get that Adam's Family is an amazing game, but I can go to any collector's house, and for the most part, they're going to have Adam's Family, and I can play yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, like I like the weird stuff you're not going to see. So anyway, uh, I wanted one of these for a long time just because it looks really pretty, and then CPR did the play field and the plastics, and I bought them even without having the game because I was going to approach it like my Stargazer. I'm like, I can eventually build this. And I talked to Sean at Third Coast, who does the wire harnesses. He looked at it, and he basically was like, yeah, that's actually really close to a KISS harness, which I've already done. Uh, but it's even simpler, so I can eventually build you one. And I was like, yeah, no problem. Like, I'm not in a rush. I got the stuff. And then I just happened to get lucky <clears throat> earlier this year, and this one showed up over in Ohio that was pretty much pulled out of laying in a pile of hay in a barn full of mice nests and just disgusting. And I didn't get it initially, but I found the guy who did on Facebook, and he didn't really know what it was, and I kind of explained it to him. It was there with an 8-Ball Deluxe, too, and he wanted the 8-Ball Deluxe. Right. And I ended up actually trading a, an extra Project Stars machine that I had in my storage unit for it because he wanted a game that was like closer to playable. Tommy just has an extra um, stars sitting around. I like that. At one point, I had three stars, and the most expensive one was the one that you'd picked up for me. The other two, I paid 100 and 150 for. Oh. They were like super cheap. Yeah. Uh, but they were like, they were projects. You know, they were literally, yeah. came, one came out of a shed, one came out of like a storage unit. It was a $150 place. game. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a stars. It's so that that's what this guy paid for the eight ball deluxe and the Volton. So it kind of worked out good. I traded him the stars and an extra uh, MPU that I had that was actually a good MPU. So anyway, that's that's how this whole thing started. And then, uh, yeah, I just wanted it because it was kind of rare. And one of the artists at CPR kind of, uh, I really appreciate what CPR does. Like I love that they're making these products, especially now with their new digital printing. Like they're cranking out games we never thought would get made, like Volton. Um, I just bought a cheetah play field from them. I strongly encourage everyone to support CPR, buy the stuff that you want for your restoring your games. That being said, one of the artists has like some attitude issues, I guess, or or differing views than me, which I translate to attitude issues. But when they released Volton, I purchased it right away. And I asked, are you guys going to do the back glass as well? Because you did the play field and the plastics. And if you're going to do it, I want to buy from you. I want to support you. 
And the reply was, no, I won't do that because then people will build a game from scratch and devalue my machine. And while I understand that viewpoint, I just strongly disagree with it because my whole idea is like pinball should be a shared thing. Like that's a large motivator for why I put games on location. Like this new dude being really into it at my location and wanting to learn more, I appreciate. Like if I don't have those games there, does that dude find pinball? So that's that was how I viewed it. So it really pissed me off, and that was why I was going to definitely build one from scratch. There you, there you <laughs> to, go. Like, make sure there was one more. Uh, stumbling into this really destroyed one that I ended up basically kind of like salvaging slash scratch building one. Like there's a lot of it's basically all new stuff on here. But I used the original. No, I didn't even use the original coin door actually. No, the the only thing that's from the original game on here is actually the playfield harness and the head harness. That's so, that's it. Okay, so that's it. Yeah, everything else was new. Like I got new spinners, all new mechs. I actually just had luckily had some new old stuff. Oh, I guess the pop bumper mechs would have been reused. So yeah, there's a couple things. Now, if you were building this game from scratch without a donor, uh-huh. without a donor Volton, would yep. you be able? You would be able to do it, right? I mean, that's how you did the yeah. Stargazer. Stargazer. That's how I did the Stargazer. Stargazer yep. You didn't even have a Stargazer. I mean, there was no donor no. game to that. Like, what was the donor game no. on Stargazer? Uh, I used a cabinet from a stern, uh, literally stern pinball. Like, oh, that's right. That was the name of it. Yeah. So, which was another game. I think I paid like two seventy five for. It wasn't working, and yeah. So this. Okay. So I think that this is. I think. I mean, I think it's really interesting that you've that you have progressed to the point where you are basically just you see a game that you want and it's impossible to get it at either a decent price or a decent condition, right? Yeah. And so. You have you are now saying like basically almost any game that you could even think of wanting to own, you could because you have built it from scratch. Yeah, right? it's it's definitely I, for me specifically at this point, I'd say any like classic Valley or Stern because I've gotten just really familiar with that board set and how those games operate. Yeah. Um, I know there's the guy out there. He's on pin side, but he's built a bunch of the WPC games. Like he's done his own medieval madness. Wally. uh, uh, Yeah. 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 I think that's him. He's been building those games for years now. Um, I, I haven't worked a ton on, like I have those games, but the ones I have, have always needed like minor repairs. So I just don't know a ton on there. Um, and I'm not comfortable enough. Like I couldn't build my own wire harnesses at this point. Like, I mean, like, could I, if I really, really had to, yeah, I could learn it, I think. But like, those are, those are really complicated. And like, that blows my mind when Sean can make those or that Wally guy I know made his own without having one to copy. I guess if I had one to copy, it wouldn't be terrible. Right. But just looking at a schematic to do it would be really and tough. And so, and so Sean, so Sean is able, is he able to make any classic game harness or is it, is there, he, he's been doing them like in runs. Okay. So he's, it's third coast pinball on uh pin side. If you're looking for his information at all, he makes like coin harnesses. He makes new harnesses that just go from the transformer to the rectifier board, yeah. like lots of little convenient things. And then he started doing games a few years back and I know he's done for sure. Stargazer and Quicksilver. I have both of those. I know he's done fathom. He's done kiss. I think he's done eight ball deluxe. And some people, like, when they're just restoring a game, they just want to put all new stuff in it. Like, or you buy a game that had mice chewing a, a harness. Like, is it worth trying to track down all those little chews through the wire, or do you buy a brand new one? Those sort of things. Um, when I showed him Bolton, you know, he said he he would make it for me at some point because it was so similar to Kiss um, in its layout. You know, you got two spinners, you got stand-ups, you got, you got rollovers up top and pop bumpers. It's, it's honestly a super similar layout minus the drop targets. 
But uh, I don't think he just does any game. It's got to be something there's enough demand there for that it's going to make it worth his time to design the harness and then sell it. But uh, it's it's just awesome to have people out there that are doing things like that. Same thing with uh, the metal ball guides came from Mantis, Carry Mantis and his products. Like when I look at all the members of the pinball community that I've gotten parts from, I mean, there's probably like 10 different people that are making this part or that part, but it all comes together and I'm able to assemble it into a machine. Um, I kind of look at it. It's like, I remember as a kid doing puzzles all the time with my mom. Like we just always were working on a puzzle and that's kind of how I started to look at these machines. It's like they're puzzles that you put together. There's just a lot more parts and it's a little complicated. And if you're not careful, you'll electrocute yourself. So, you know, yeah, watch out for stuff like that. So your first, what was your first, was your first game? It was Stargazer and that you've done, you've, that was the first one I completely built. Complete yeah. Build. Before that I had done like the hardtop installation and on uh frontier and I had redone cabinets on frontier Harlem and flash Gordon. And then yeah, stargazer. I did the play field swap on skateball myself, but I didn't redo that cabinet. Do you, do you like the last two? I've just redone everything on my own between doing a hard top and a play field swap. What would you rather do? Uh, it just depends on the game. To me, it's like a financial approach. Like if there was a replacement play field for frontier at this point, do that. I would probably do it because of how much I ended up liking that game and how the value on it shot up. Like I could see it being justified. Um, what about Volton? I'm kind of curious about because like there's just not very many sales of that machine because it's so rare. Um, and it's not one that I plan to keep. I'm, I'm hoping to enter it at pinball at the zoo next month. There's a a chance that that show may get canceled at this point. So we're kind of waiting for confirmation, but like, that's kind of like, we've talked about before. It's like my home show. It's right by our lake house. It's the first one I ever went to. And me and my buddy Dane, we did the classic Valley row up there last year or two years ago when they last had the show. And like, we kind of, him and I kind of like to restore games and show them off up there. And like, I was really looking forward to doing that. So I'm hoping that still happens. But if not, this is the game. Like I'm out of room at my house. I'm out of room at my location. Um, I wanted to build it so other people could play it at that show and that there'd be one more in the world so that there's a, another chance for people to play this rare game from 1978. So uh, we'll see, but it's not one I plan to keep. So I'm trying to figure out like, what do I even price it at? You know, and it makes it just tough uh, because of the it's the rarity factor. I don't have a bunch of recorded sales I can look at um it was really neat as i was finishing it up like i literally worked on it i had some friends come up to the lake this monday because it's my last week of summer uh people that i work with at the bar and we hung out all day and swam and made fun so then i basically had tuesday and wednesday to finish this thing up and i worked on it for 30 hours over those two days to finish it up completely and uh, i am actually still waiting on my apron i send it out for powder coating to come back uh so that's the last thing i have to do is just screw down the apron luckily but um it was neat. My dad was up there for the last day while I worked on it. And he's like, he's seen me play pinball and like fix little things here and there, but he'd never seen like one of my full restorations. And he was taking a bunch of pictures of it. And it was just cool to have him there to, I don't know, show off a bit for my dad that like I'm not a moron. And I (laughs) (laughs) so that was, I don't think your dad thinks you're a moron, but uh, no, not at all. But it's, it's nice when, I don't know, you know, you like to make your parents proud. I, I, I think at any age, I feel like I saw a Volton for sale recently and i'm trying to find that right now there's one on pin side right now that's an original i don't know if it works or not but it's like at 7500 wait um seventy five hundred dollars yeah but it hasn't sold it's just sitting okay okay Um, that's not the one i I know 
I know the one that HEP restored supposedly sold for between twelve and fourteen thousand. Wow. I talked to the guy who currently owns it. Yeah. But that's that's an HEP restore, Christopher Hutchins. Yeah. And everything's original. Some people prefer the original, whereas mine's a reproduction playfield, reproduction but, plastic. But yours, but yours custom. is a brand new game. I mean, you it's it's basically it's brand basically new. Brand yeah. new game. Yeah. I mean, I even I replace flipper switches, like it's it's brand new. So it, it's one of those things. It's just there's some people who are, you know, it's just like classic cars. They want original new old stock stuff versus reproduction parts. It's it's up to those people. But, but you sold Stargazer, I will you say it's Stargazer, playing really right? good. I did sell Stargazer. Uh, that went to uh, Gorilla Biscuits on Pinside, uh, Patrick in real life. Uh, awesome dude. We met up in Cleveland sometime earlier this summer, I think, to uh, deliver that or right before the school year got out. Um, I it's, it's one of those cool things, you know, you meet someone in the hobby, he's, buying an expensive game for me but we've actually like stayed in contact texting each other yeah. and like you made another made another friend uh he he had recently moved to buffalo new york and the buffalo pinball guys at least nick i know for sure went over to see his collection recently and nick like commented on how nice that game turned out that i had done and that was cool because it's another like not a ton of people got to see that game uh, at my house before i sold it and it's cool just to get some like affirmation that somebody else who knows what they're doing within the pinball hobby saw it and was impressed with, with your, uh, but that was cool with your experience of doing these games what do you still find what do you what would you say is the most intimidating part still to a restoration uh for me it's the wire it is okay. like because i still suck at reading schematics um huge shout out to uh fucking was a pinball rebel in incognito or yeah, whatever yep uh I, that's what I just told you. I had to run to FedEx before we were recording so I could just print up a bunch of tech charts from his website for like all the games I own yeah. Um, because those charts make it so much easier like when you're tracking down anything because it lists like the connector the wire color the transistor like if you've got a problem with a light or a switch that chart makes it so much easier than going through like the full schematic and i love it so i think i uh, think just for i, th I yeah. think the rebel the pinball rebel page so and, and i'm just saying this just for clarification on that i think that the pinball rebel page is run by somebody else and the incognito stuff is hosted there okay but, there, but, gotcha. but it might there might be some like some i just when when i needed to find it i google the game's name right. and i yeah, add yeah. pinball rebel yeah. tech chart I, and it pulls it right to the right yeah page. i just so i just know that like that's how i find pinball it. rebel like i used to go there because yeah he had stuff like that and i i, I and i could be completely wrong but i just i just think like in the history of the pinball rebel site like at some point the incognito stuff ended up getting hosted there and so there's probably crossover between what was there originally or whatever but i just want to i can't remember i can't remember who does the pinball rebel site but it's it's a great site like they have a bunch like of custom like you know instruction cards and stuff like that um and i think it's all i think almost all of it is free but you know maybe yeah, they like have you a could, paypal donation, PayPal donation yeah that link you can make um but that stuff that stuff's usually helpful and then like it's one of those things where like what's the expression like i'm, I'm smart enough to like get myself in trouble or whatever something like, it's like that right yeah yeah <laughs> i i, I kind of know like what i'm yeah, doing yeah. but there's definitely stuff i can easily still fuck that's up. called like, overconfidence like, <laughs> yeah so like when i did frontier <laughs> i repinned everything it. i've learned how to repin everything yeah. like i it's it makes a huge difference on these games and I plug in Frontier, and I'm blowing the circuit breaker in my house. Oh. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> like, that's not good, you know? And that's like a, so, that's a sphincter tightening moment, right? I oh, mean, yeah. It's like, oh, I fucked something the first up bad, time you, right? That's in my yeah, brain. Yeah. <laughs> and then I have my buddy, Michael, come over, and he's like, uh, 
do you put key pins on your rectifier? And I was like, no, no you can't mess those up. And he's like, well, you plugged them in upside down. And uh-huh. oh, yeah, I just plugged in like everything to the rectifier upside down because uh-huh. I didn't put in key pins. So now I always put in key pins. Oh, my God. Like, and that, and, and yeah. you didn't like destroy boards or anything like no, that? No, I got super lucky that the circuit breaker just broke for the house before I think it could even like get to the uh-huh. boards. Uh, so now like I always make sure I use key pins. Um, but even when like <laughs> when I plugged in Stargazer. Oh, man. Granted, it was a brand new wire harness. I had like a couple switch columns that weren't working. Yeah. Um, God, and I learned how to use like my multimeter for continuity. So I just found where I had breaks in the line for the switch and stuff, right. you know, that made it, made it a little easier. Uh, even when I got frontier working, that game was the same thing. The cabinet was destroyed. It was sitting in water somewhere. I had to get a new cabinet made for that one when I did it. Yeah. Um, well, it turns out like, yeah, I wired everything back exactly like it was, but at some point someone had fucked up the wiring working on the game and I ended up, I had like two switches that were altered in the, the lineup which was giving me matrix issues right. uh when i plugged in volton the other night uh at the lake my dad was like yeah i want to see this thing when it works you know and he was out cutting grass and i was like i don't want it to not work in front yeah. of him so like i'm gonna plug it in while he's cutting grass and the whole thing worked except for like two literally just two gi sockets and i was like holy shit like i couldn't believe it every switch registered correctly every coil fired correctly uh, it kind of blew my mind because usually like you have to make adjustments, but I've gotten pretty good. Whereas like, as I was doing the swap, I'm adjusting my switches to where like, I think they should yeah, be and stuff. Yeah, yeah, and it, yeah. it all just actually worked. Yeah. And I was kind of blown away. And then I, uh, you know, once that was all done, I went through and looked and I just had switched around two of the GI sockets. That's why they weren't getting the right power and flipped them back and boom, everything was lit Are up. Are you using the yacht boards? Uh, those will be going on my next restorations. Okay. I was kind of the, that's David Yop. Uh, if you aren't familiar with David, David's been on the show. Uh, David's just an awesome dude. I picked up a medieval madness for him earlier this summer, uh, in Indianapolis cause I could get to it very quick for him. And he let me put it on location for a few weeks till he could get it. Another one of those great people I've met in the hobby, but he's been talking about making these boards. He calls them Yopsicle light boards at this point for like years. And I kept being like, just do it, man. I'll, I'll use them. I'll test it out. Yeah. Do it, do it, do it. He finally did it. And I did install them in my Dolly Parton uh, at North End Pub last week, which had, like, the worst flaky classic ballet sockets yeah. that ever. Yeah. Like, the whole game would flicker. And one of my buddies was like, oh, yeah, do you need me to bring you, like, some light bulbs for that Dolly? Because the lights are – I'm like, no, dude, it's not the lights. It's the sockets. Yeah. Like, it's – anyway. Uh, so his light board is a flat, uh, modern-looking circuit board that just has a screw hole with a solder pad on it and then another solder pad where you put your controlled lighting and it just swaps right in. They're amazing. I put them all in Dolly Parton. I, I roughly took rough, like two to three minutes to switch out each socket yeah. because I had like a lot of extra solder on there from trying to fix the shitty sockets before. Um, I will be ordering a ton more of those. He sold out of his initial run, and they are great. He's already uh, sold out. They give out. it a cleaner and modern look. Yeah, his initial run sold out. Like, Holy shit. Like as soon as he posted, because I kind of posted that, you know, we'd put them in. It was going to be a test game. I thought they were awesome um third traditional uh i think he did like sunshine or whatever that's called it's not the, not the warm white but it's definitely not cool well, white. that's what i was going to ask uh, you so yeah like light is me- okay so correct me if i'm wrong light is yeah. light is measured in kelvins right sure. okay why not so light <laughs> so I, i'm pretty sure that light is measured in kelvins as you go higher in the kelvin range you get into like more of a blue range so like Five mm-hmm. five thousand Kelvin's is like that kind of bluish, modern cool white. Yeah, is what they call right. it. Right, yeah. and then as and you go down to like two thousand to three thousand Kelvin's is when you get into more of like your classic incandescent look. 
which mm-hmm. would be a warm white, correct? Yeah. See, and to me, that looks very yellow, which I don't like. Right, right. Because, like, it just says old and okay. aged in my brain. But, but, I and, and I'm just saying this because this always confuses me, like, between warm white and cool white. So, basically, mm-hmm. cool white. Okay, so then the other question I have is, is there a, what would be the lamp that would be in between because I think that Comet, I think so Comet has one I, yeah, that they Comet call like does it, and I think it's called like sunshine, sunshine, or su- sunlight, sunlight, sunlight. So it's it yeah. doesn't have that. That's like, what I have in my fathom. Okay. It's not. It doesn't look like a obviously modern bulb with a pure white, right? Like the bluish tint, and it doesn't look yellow. It's somewhere in between. It's like an off white, right? Because I, I like the um, warm. I like the warm look of incandescence. Like I don't like when yeah. it creeps into that higher Kelvin range. And I, I think a lot of people do, especially on these older solid state games. I I personally don't because like I am building these to look new. I want them to have like a modern lighting look. But what about the back glass? Um, like in the back glass, do you go with a cool white? Yeah, I. You do. don't think it affect? You don't uh, think it affects the the look of the artwork? I mean, the fact that you're um, shining like a different I mean, colored it, lamp through the back. It can, um, but I haven't really noticed any problems on any particular game. Um, like it just kind of depends on the color scheme of your game and again it's a personal preference i mean i like that it looks brighter and newer that's that's my basic right. comparison um i can see how like the theme of frontier would appeal to a warmer white like it's outdoors there's campfire stuff on right. there like i get that but uh for me i just want it to look really bright so you can see it because a lot of these old games don't have great gi lighting in general yeah, yeah, yeah. to be honest so that's another reason. Like when I restore these, I don't use original colored post. I've put clear post and clear rubbers on almost all light. these games. Yeah. It allows more. Light. I do. The, like, I've started doing the same, especially like with the with the rubbers, slingshot rubbers. Yeah. Like it's amazing how much more light gets through. All those. I, every every game I own has clear slingshot rubbers. I mean, like one the stern stern black rubber is the worst shit ever. I mean, like rip those off your game as soon as it lands, um, and yeah because you will just have the dirtiest play field in no time yeah i've noticed my avengers play field gets real dirty yeah. and i switched out most of those rubbers to clear rubbers yeah. to begin with but there's like a few of the harder to get to ones i was like yeah whatever i'll leave it and i'm like damn it this game gets it, dirty yeah it really does um going back to your restoration stuff yeah. cabinet wise because mm-hmm. i mean i will say like i i you know i obviously i do the play field rails and so a lot of people reach out to me with questions about restorations i have done some I've done some full restorations, done swaps. You know, I've done some difficult swaps, so I do feel, like, pretty comfortable around a play field. Um, yeah. But, like, a, like cabinet work, like, one of the things that I am really intimidated by are the use of stencils, right? Mm-hmm. And I know that you use pinball pimp stencils, right? Okay. Yeah. So what what have you learned, like, in over these games to, like – what are the tips and tricks of using stencils in a, so, uh, one, the cabinet prep work is everything. Like I know it to me, but as I've gotten into restorations, HEP does a weekly updated thread, what he's doing. He's also has several games from the past that he's had individual threads for. Um, it's like anything you want to get better at it. Follow people who have been doing it longer than you and know more like, and learn from them, learn from their mistakes, learn from your own mistakes. But cabinet prep work takes a ton. Um, a trick I did on Stargazer that I've had a few friends now use after me. Um, typically, like, you'll see HEP using uh, 
Bondo to fix his cabinets and stuff. Well, he, for the most part, when he's restoring these games, he's getting brand new cabinets made. So there's very little wrong with them to begin with. He is just making them absolutely perfect. He is a perfectionist. I will not ever claim to be a perfectionist. I want my game to look better than 99% of the ones that exist. And, and I, I know they're not going to look better than his. And I will And I will say, like, I've talked to Chris about that. Uh, I make rails for Chris, and Chris, his parents live near me. We're friends. But I know that, like, a lot of it for him is, like, he would get these rough cabinets, and he would restore them. And the um, it takes more the time. Amount of, yeah. The amount of time that goes into I, – I've had a couple of people reach out recently, and I've seen people posting recently about trying to find people who are making cabinets. Because I, I yep. do think that the cabinet, the cabinet process or the cabinet restoration is really intimidating because a lot of people don't have woodworking experience, and the cabinets are really, really fucked up. Like, yeah, that's basically my frontier and Volton were things the frontier could have been fixed. Volton, I really don't know if it could have. It's it's really bad. Um, but it was easier for me to either find a different game or have a cabinet built. Like Frontier, I had a cabinet built. Volton, I had a different game that I got really cheap that I could use for the conversion. The person that did um, the cabinet, the person that made the cabinet for you, is that something that mm-hmm. they do or is that was that like a one-off thing? Uh, he was a one-off okay. thing. I had to take him the cabinet so he could actually copy all the okay. parts and, okay. and do it. Um, Kirk Weaver, I think is is the name in Ohio is the one that I know closest to me that does cabinets and does really well. Like they're actually officially licensed through planetary. Oh, okay. If you're doing anything, Bally Williams, uh, and his price is pretty reasonable. I want to say like 800 to a thousand dollars, depending on the game. Um, which again, not cheap by any means, but if you're doing these high end restores, you kind of expect to be spending money. Um, the trick I found on, on stargazer that I was mentioning before is, uh, the Bondo, it works. Okay you know, for certain specific things, like when they're minor, uh, that stargazer cabinet specifically had a bunch of planking in the side of it initially. And because I had seen, you saw the galaxy at Texas pinball festival a couple years ago, right. That my buddy yeah, did. Yeah. Yeah. So that was left outdoors and it had insane planking and he went through just a ton and ton of prep work on that cabinet. Like I can't even imagine how many sanding Bondo primer redo things he did to get that looking the way it did. So I had the idea that I would try something a little different. Um, I was already using fiberglass resin to patch corners on games that I'd seen in vids guide. So what I did was actually make up some fiberglass resin and I just did like a skim coat on the entire side of it that had the planking and it filled it in amazingly. Um, It was real thin because the problem was I learned pretty quickly is that that fiberglass resin is way harder to sand than Bondo, but it made it like perfect. Like that game looked really, really nice on the sides um so i used that again on vault in here because i was actually converting a bally lost world cabinet for this one that had been completely stripped and it had been sitting empty in the window of an arcade with christmas lights in it as like a decoration for a few years so i mean it worked out perfect for what i needed i needed a cabinet from that era that had a coin door um and it did that was what i needed i had everything else ready to go so that was a trick that i've learned um don't mix paint brands for sure like, uh, I've basically settled on using Molotov paint That's brands, which I think are made gr- in Germany. Great tip. Great tip. Yeah. yeah. I, I learned that um, on Stargazer because from my driveway one day, you could probably hear like very much like the scene in Christmas Story where the kid yells fudge, but it was not fudge. That was me in my driveway. Um, I had used Rust-Oleum Cobalt Metallic Blue. 
And actually, I was using Rust-Oleum White, but I was trying something different. I had, I had put on my base coat and then clear coated, and then I was going to put on my white layer and then clear coat again over that. And I quickly learned that you, at least with what I was doing, and again, I'm not doing anything in a professional setup. I'm doing this shit literally in my driveway, outside. I'm, I'm victim to the weather, humidity, all that stuff. Uh, anyway, it created a reaction as I started to spray the white on the clear coat that it like legitimately just just peeled off. Like it looked like the dude's face from Indiana Jones. Like it was just peeling off everything from the side of the cabinet. And I was like, thankfully, I was only doing the head at that point. So I was like just shocked and stunned. Um, but back to like Flash Gordon, I I mixed Molotov for my red and I used like Rust-Oleum black. And then something else for a metallic gold. And I had a little reaction between those paints. So, like, I've gotten to the point where I'm realizing, like, find the brand and stick to it. And specifically, I've gone to Molotow because it's, uh, they have, like, 418 colors or 480 colors. I can't remember which it is. There's a ton of them out there. You can order it through a website called Bombing Science, which is out of Via Canada. You get free shipping if you order $100. And if you're painting an entire cabinet, you're going to need $100 in paint. Trust me. Um it sprays. It's really hard to make it run. It's like a runless. It's used by graffiti artists. Yeah, I was, was going to say, so many yeah, colors. that sounds like it's, some. It's a good quality paint, and it's only like six bucks a can or something. Like it's not. It's not terribly expensive. Um, and how many? Like, so yeah, how many you, cans do you think you go through? Like on. So on on Volton for the. For the base, just doing the white, I probably used like ten cans. And you're doing, maybe and you're doing the whole. You're doing rattle cans for the entire thing, so you're not doing, everything. Oh, yeah. Wow. yeah, everything. And then for my colors, my pink and purple that go on that game, I used like just over one can for each of those. And that's another reason I like them is because of the high quality, like being a spray paint artist, spray paint right. type thing, graffiti artist, spray paint. It's got they they have the numbers listed on the can, but it's it's super pigmented. Yeah, I was like basically, say, it has yeah. four times the pigment yeah. as a traditional straight uh, spray paint. So like I'm able to use one stencil and get a nice thick coat on there that makes that like the purple and the pink covered the white completely. Now, do um, you like with your? So I I've seen um, there's a uh, pinball restorer out there does a lot of cabinet work. That's amazing, Ashley Ludwig. Like yeah, I I started following her recently. Yeah. I reached out. We were trying to, well, anyway, go on. But, yeah, but I follow her work. She's awesome. Yeah, so one of the things that I think is really amazing with what she does, and I'm not sure how she does it, but, you know, like one of the things with stencils is a lot of times you get like a really super hard edge, which is mm-hmm. not what it looks like out of the factory. Like the factory no, stencils. you got a little like, bit of overspray. It, well, there was some overspray, but there's also this like almost like, like, like mist kind of effect like sometimes you get like mm-hmm. that just, you just don't get that sure. really hard edge. I learned that from a, a local restore. Is basically you can't use pinball pimp stencils then because his are an adhesive stencil that goes directly on the cabinet. Okay. Okay. Um, what he did was he bought those. He applied them to poster board and cut his own from the poster board. Right. Right. And then on the backside, he just took a little bit of masking tape and rolled it and put it underneath on that backside so that the stencil isn't actually perfectly flat on the cabinet. Gotcha. It's got like a little bit of space because he wanted that original overspray look too. Um, and again, that's again, that's a personal preference. Like, I don't like that. I like the modern hard lines. Like the hard I want lines. this to look okay. like I did it. Um, you know, I'm not trying to pass off anything I do as an original. Like, I'm specifically trying to be like, no, this is brand fucking new. I did yeah. this. Um, but again, some people like that original look, so they do that. It's same thing with like cabinets. If I was going to do a modern game like Adam's Family or Twilight Zone now, I would 100% buy Mirko's Radcals. 
Like uh, they look shinier, they're super sturdy, they're not gonna get damaged as much. Mm, but again, mm. like based on your face, you want an original decal. I just like you. Uh, so there you go. There's just make, make screens. That's what I want. I want you to go into the screen making business. There was at one point somebody had they had talked about doing that. They were gonna go and they were gonna make screens to do entire cabinets. Yeah, that ain't that ain't happening. No, <laughs> not for me. Maybe that was deep root. I mean, Maybe that I was think, the deep root, think, uh, deep roots plan. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, deep root. That's where they. That's oh, that's man. what they're working on right now. That's the snag they've hit. Yeah, that's the snag. They got to make those screens. <laughs> oh my god, what a company! Um, man. What a company! Yeah. So okay. So, yeah, man. I I've got to say, like, looking at your restorations, the work you're doing is really impressive. I I mean, especially yeah, because I, I remember. I mean, you know, we've been friends for a really long time now, and I I remember when you would got into it, and it was. Yeah, like you were hiring people out to do swaps and stuff like that, and then all of a sudden you were like, "Oh, wait, recording, babe." Sorry, let's just go. Oh, Jesus, come on! We're trying to record I know. here. Jeez, we're doing shows. We don't. Serious do, we stuff. don't do it that. Doxons went outside because they were barking for attention. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so it's, it's it's been really cool to see, especially like a lot of the cabinet stuff because I I am really into that. I mean, I like the painting and stuff like that, and. Um, yeah, it's it's cool to see like how far you've progressed, but it's also it's also interesting to see when you have those hiccups, right? Like I know, like I think like I remember your Harlem because you had issues on Harlem, right? Like didn't paint peel on that one or something? No, Harlem. So that's that's what really pissed me off was Harlem was the first cabinet I ever yeah. did, and it went like perfect. It was incredible. Oh, okay, like yeah, Harlem was like oh I was like oh, yeah, next I could one do next one was Flash. Flash cord. Flash okay, cord that's what it was. Because yeah, yeah, it was like, like my stencil pulled off part of the paint, and that was oh, when I was that's right. I was trying to rush it really quick yeah. because I was trying to get it ready for Pinball the Zoo Frontier. I had problems, but it was because of the the guy who made my cabinet. He was again not a pinball guy, and he makes Mame cabinets, yeah. and he assumed I wanted it like a modern pinball cabinet, so it was covered with like a laminate, uh, which would be perfect if I was putting decals on it. But to apply paint, not so much. Um, what? So how did you deal with the laminate? Oh, I painted over it, oh, you but did. at one point okay. I didn't let it. So that's the other thing is like, it actually helped me painting Volton up at the lake this summer because I'm not up there every right, day. So you give it proper right? so time. So I can paint a coat and then I leave for a yeah, week. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Whereas like when I'm at home and I see the cabinet sitting in my garage every time, like I let my dogs out three, four, five times a day. I'm like, man, I really want to put on that next coat of paint. It's probably been okay. And this way I was able to be like, no, let it sit for two weeks, then do the next coat. Uh, and it just really helped me space out my my time for working on things. I could do a coat and then I'd work on some of the play field uh, while I was inside for the next day while I'm at the lake and then disappear for a week. That's what when you when you're doing stencils, how long do you wait until you remove the stencil? Like, do you remove it? Per- once you've painted. So once you paint, you remove the stencil and then you just let it sit. I'm. I'm removing it right away. Okay. Yeah. So, and again, it, so the Molotov paint, my buddy, uh, Dane, DJ Blau on a pin side, that's who restored my fathom. He's built his own Quicksilver. Like when I was doing Stargazer, he was doing Quicksilver. Um, he also uses the Molotov paints now. Uh, I think Kiss was the last game he restored. And he was basically like, yeah, I literally sprayed the paint and I let the stencil just sit there for an entire day before I pulled it. And I was like, oh, interesting. Because like, I usually pull them right away. So I was like, I'd already done one side of the head of Volton, and I was like, okay, I'm going to do the other side, but I'll let the stencil sit this time. And I only let it sit for like two hours, and I went to pull it, and a bunch of the adhesive stuck to the cabinet. But he's painting in an indoor climate-controlled space. I'm painting outside 
where the sun was moving and possibly hit the stencil and made the adhesive stick longer. Um, because like my base coat had cured the same amount of time for both sides of the head, but one side I pulled off one way right away and one side I let sit there. So, uh, initially when I did Harlem, I had, I did have, I let the stencil sit for a little while. And then when I pulled it, I had some issues like you're right where the paint was almost starting to pull up with it. So I had to like, it, it came out really good, but it, there was a little bit of worry. And that's when I started pulling them faster. Yeah. Um, when I did the body for Volton, I pulled them right away and it worked better. Uh, but again, I think that a lot of that has to do with like the climate that you're painting in versus like, is it an indoor environment or not? Because I did have that adhesive stick to the cabinet on that head. Um, so then I let the cabinet just sit once I had painted it, I let it sit for like two or three weeks. And then I went at it with goo gone to get the adhesive off before I clear coated it. In. it worked and it was fine. no issue getting the adhesive off. Uh, it was not easy right. and it was like, I had to be very careful where I was rubbing and I was using a little razor blade. Yeah, so yeah. yeah, I mean, it sucks, but it wasn't that it, it was coming off. It just was taking okay. some time. Uh, so yeah, like each game is definitely presents its own challenges. They're each a little bit different. Uh, you know, and, and depends on like with Volton, I could get the play field and the plastics from CPR and then there was no back glass. So I was like, all right, well, I ended up getting one from Coos and I had it custom designed and added mirroring to nice. it. Nice. So now, I've so now people can make before. their own, people can make their own. Yeah, Volton. exactly. Yeah. So they're so all. And the, well, so that was what already bothered me was because BG resto had already done the back glass. So CPR was not going to stop anyone from building their own. Right. They were just not getting themselves business. And I will admit, like the BG Resto, it's not as good as a CPR, and a CPR is not as good as Coos's. But like, if I really wanted the game, I could either have BG Resto make it, or if you guys ever need something made for a game, like the virtual pinball community, I'm not a member of it. I don't play virtual pinball. But if you go out there, almost every pinball machine has been redesigned virtually with really good art at this point. You can literally take one of the virtual pinball back glasses and have a translate printed for like 30 bucks. Yeah. So like yeah. if you really, really, really want a game, the only thing stopping you at this point in time is like you like that's just the reality of it. Like I'm not saying it's cheaper. Um, it's definitely not faster. Like I was collecting parts for that Stargazer for three years before I built it. Uh, but like if you really, really want something at this point, you can definitely make it happen. Uh, I know my buddy John in Missouri is building a Stargazer now. I got hired to build because of my first Stargazer. Another guy wanted to buy it, and now he's hired me to build him one, so I'm gathering parts for him. Um, there's a guy in southern Indiana that's building five Stargazers and two Quicksilvers, and I assume he's building them for people who are either prepaying or he's selling them. Like, It's just it's really cool because we're living in a time where there's so many reproduction parts available that you can do that. And like specifically for Classic Sterns, some Classic Stern titles have the, the plastic pop bumper rings, and uh and uh <laughs> it, like swings our buddy swings actually redesigned those and they're available on shapeways so yeah it's it's just nowadays you can make something yeah it's awesome um yeah so get out there make more voltons so that it drives the prices down of the originals as much as possible yeah. we need like that's, a couple thousand right. of those out there <laughs> yeah actually don't the gameplay is not that great that's what one of the guys who wants to because i posted some of it to uh, facebook and somebody had already contacted me about buying it and he was like well how does it play and like the only thing i can really say about volton is it plays like a game that really spent a lot more time on the art package than the layout like it's not like there's nothing super inventive about the layout uh but it plays like a, a very early classic yeah. valley you know it's, 
And this one plays particularly well because it's all brand new. I did play. We had one at when I helped at the Southern Fried Game Room comp. Um, there was one in the Classics Classics Bank. So, yeah, I did play one. That That game was such a pain in the ass because, yeah, it was just a lot of stuck balls. And every time we would open the corn door, it would slam tilt. Yeah, so yeah, we ended up I having know. to disable. It was just, it was a bit of a mess. But um, I have played one. I the art the art package on it is great though. It's it's like a really good package. But yeah, I think it's pretty simplistic and it's like, yeah, yeah. It's by no way like the best playing game ever. But I, I do think it's one of the nicest art packages. And then you factor in the rarity, and it just like it obviously it it, it appealed to all the things that I really enjoy. Um, uh, all right. So that was Tommy's restor- restorations with Tommy. I will say, like, yeah, if, rest- if people have any questions, you know, about that, because there's not a ton of people who have done what Tommy has done, like, definitely, f- like, reach out, because I would love to, I'd love to hear more. And then, you know, it'd be interesting to see kind of what people are interested in finding out about, like, you know, what part and of the I'm, process. I'm happy to help, too. Um, Patrick, who bought my Stargazer, I just, like I said, I was just talking to him this week, and he bought a, a rough big game because the rumor is there's two companies making big gameplay fields for next year's release. So my guess is CPR and, and Mirko is the only two I could think of. Um, but I was just like, yeah, man, if you need help on anything, like reach out. Like I'm by no means would I say I'm an expert, but I have done it, and I know like what I've screwed up, and I can hopefully prevent you from screwing up the things I've screwed up and kind of walk you through it. Uh, like remember when I sent you the picture of my skateball harness? Yes. And it looked like a rat's yes. nest. Yes. yes. Like I've never made that mistake again. I, I now wash them with the, the plastic zip ties. On, oh, and that's please. good enough for me. No, 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 no. <laughs> don't, don't listen to Tommy. Take those things apart, completely dismantle your harness, scrub it, clean it, and then replace all those zip ties. Yeah. I don't, what I did, replaced the zip what ties, did you do, but though? I do it. How did you wash it? Did you didn't put it like in the dishwasher or anything? No, I literally just like scrubbed it in the tub, right? zip ties and I just, yeah, I put it in the shower and huh. scrubbed it. You know what? You and, know what I think yeah. I do? I think when I've done my, at least my WPC well, harnesses. Yeah. They're separated already in the WPC thing. That's well, you have to, you have to clip them apart. You have to clip them apart to separate them into yeah. your switch. But they're separated like lighting versus solenoid. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The ballets, it's just all fucking it's together. It's all together. Like everything. And then, oh no. And yeah, you clipped it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That was not, that wasn't, yeah, don't that's do why that. The, that makes them harder. That's what, that's the other nice thing. When Sean remakes the harnesses, he for makes the them games, separate. Like, he oh, makes them separate. So nice. like I was only installing all the lighting harness What's, and then all of the solenoid harness. What does what a harness yeah. run for a brand new harness? Do you know? Do you remember? Um, so it, it depends. Cause he makes them in those parts. So like for stargazer, I got all new cabinet Playfield head and coin door, and it was like a little over five hundred dollars, which to me is still incredibly. That's cheap. pretty. That's not a bad deal. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I know. I think my buddy just got the playfield for the stargazer he's building because he's going to reuse the head harness. Yep. Um. And his was like two seventy five or three hundred, maybe okay. maybe three fifty. Okay. Like it's to me, it's it's well worth yep. it. Uh. So yeah, it, it's not bad. Oh, and then another shout out to. Uh, Andrew and his Envy Ram board because for Fulton, even though it's not like the highest scoring game ever, I figured if anyone ever broke a million points, like it really annoys me on those old six digit games that if you break a million points, it doesn't like scroll or save the highest score. Right. Well, with Andrew's new 
uh, MPU. It's got a seven-digit essentially hack built into it where you can all the games that were six digit had the ability to run seven digit software and you just have to wire in like seven digit displays and it maybe took me 10 minutes to rewire my displays and plug them into the new connector so i have seven digit scoring on Volton. so nice. this will be like the only Volton i know of in the world that has a mirrored back glass and seven digits look at that and it's and you're and yeah. you're selling it i will be okay. yeah for sure so we need to figure out I, I'm I'm saying fifteen. I'm saying you put it out there for fifteen thousand. Oh, you're insane! Dude. I am. Well, if somebody wants to pay me fifteen thousand, you contact me right away. All right, if, ta- if you, I'm not hoping for that much. Uh, if you sell for, I see if you, you sell for fifteen, I'll make you a deal. You sell for fifteen because I set that price, right? You don't think it will <laughs> ever sell for that much. So, what do you think? How I, about this? You, how much do you oh, think God. it should sell for? And then whatever it sells for above that, you send it to me for my kids' college. <laughs> <laughs> they're, uh, for their 529 for their five i got uh, oh man <laughs> uh yeah, i i don't know that's what i i haven't like i wanted to take it to pinball at the zoo because i think i can really like i have a shot at winning best restoration which like i weirdly care about so i'm really hoping that the show still it's happens. not a restoration though it's a it's a new game it, that's different I, you didn't rest- whatever it's gonna <laughs> i i wanted to win something uh it's just weird how much i actually want that because like my harlem i never expected anything and it got like best 70s restoration yeah. oh and i was like oh that's fucking cool you know there are and a lot now, of people like, there are a lot of people who've been restoring games though i mean like oh i know it's, I, absolutely this last year and I, thought, I think my best chance was because there was a good chance they rescheduled this pinball the zoo show this year for labor day weekend yeah. and there's a good chance my buddy dane can't go so he's not gonna be able to bring the quicksilver <laughs> or the kiss that he restored <laughs> during covid so i'm like all right like if he does, I want him to bring Quicksilver because then at least we're in different decades, so I could still win the '70s yeah. category. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I don't know, man. I'm I'm curious because I'd say like, without a doubt, it's not as good of a player as Stargazer, but it's it's way more rare than Stargazer. So it's like a third of the production run that Stargazer had. Um, and there's not like there isn't a harness out there, so like it's not one that people are building from scratch. And I, I just imagine there's. You know, like we've seen this hobby grow exponentially, but there's still those like hardcore collectors who like they want all the ballys from that era. Yeah. And this is one that's just not very common to find. So no idea. We'll we'll see. Uh, we'll probably wait till after Labor Day here because I want to get that apron installed and make sure I give it enough test plays that I can confirm everything's working really good before I, I send it off to a new owner. All right. So, OK, so no, no idea as to what you think. No, if somebody no if somebody idea. walked up to you right now and offered you ten thousand dollars for it, would you take it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think. I would. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. What What is um, just to get a sense of pricing on what what are the what are the fathoms going for that Haggis is doing? What did they do there? Those limited edition ones, I think, are ninety five hundred. Okay. I think it's right around that, there, not, yeah. and that's for the mermaid. That's the mermaid one with yeah. extra code and stuff like that. I think that's what okay. they were. All right. All right, moving on to yep. uh, new pinball that Tommy hasn't made. Um, there have been since we've talked. There have been what? What do we got? We've got uh, oh shit, um, Ultraman, right? Ultra Ultraman and Halloween Ultraman were and announced. Halloween were announced, and they've yeah since been played because they yeah, have they been up at a shows. few shows. Um, um, they're actually streaming. They just announced today that Dead Flips is streaming both games tomorrow. tomorrow. So I will have to release this to, 
tonight. Um, yeah, so they're streaming. I, I, so I'm just going to say this because I have to, I have to put it out there. I am, I am really, I'm excited for Spooky. I think that it's great that they sold their game so quickly. Um, obviously, they sold out of both models like super fast. Yes, there were some issues with people buying multiple games so that they could sell that flip them. Um, I think it did stop. We had we I know cool. there's been some clicking that's been coming over the that's been coming I think from Tommy's side. It, I think my AC vent was hitting my my window uh, shades plastic little like little end caps uh, on the strings. Okay, I think they were hitting the wall. I moved them out of the way. I think that's what okay. it was. Um, but yeah, so that's but um, yeah, it was spooky. Yeah, so it's it's really great that they were able to sell their games like they did. I was really surprised and frankly kind of frustrated that there was no gameplay video to actually show like. I mean, that there was video of like, you know, the game was flipping and it showed that it worked and that there were many play fields and stuff like that. But there was nothing basically at all about like what stuff was going to do. And I just like personally, Ultraman is something that's a that's a title. That's a theme that I like because I grew up watching Ultraman. But I, you know, I was I can't pull the trigger on a game unless I see it being played, you know, and. And I, you know, some of Spooky's titles for me, as far as how much I like to play them, are real hit and miss. You know, it's so they're, I don't know. That was tough. That was a bit of a bummer to like see that there was, or to not see any gameplay prior to it actually going on sale. Yeah, I think they, uh, they'll be available for resale, like you said. Um, it's one of those things it's like people are going to pay up at the start because they want the game because Spooky does have that 18-month production cycle. But by the time you get to the end of that 18-month, the prices come down. Um, Ultraman being such a small production run, I don't know what to expect. I'm completely unfamiliar with Ultraman, but the art package on that game just looks fucking amazing to me. Like it looks like it To me, it looks like fun pinball. Like It's just a fun theme, a lot you could do with it. It looks interesting. Um, I love horror movies, but Halloween is like my least favorite horror franchise. Yeah. Uh, but again, I think the art package on it looks really neat. And I think, I think the layout looks interesting. Um, I know everyone always bitches about like, why don't people do anything new in pinball? And then spooky does something. And then people like shit on them for it. Like, the up, so the it, upper it'll play be fields? interesting. The upper play fields and not just like a, a pure fan layout, all that sort of stuff. But I'm curious to play it. So we'll see We're uh, we're getting Halloween at North end pub um very early i think we're number 13 or 14 yeah oh wow so we should have that in within the next few weeks i think um so you, i think that they might they probably already have your game is already on the line then right because i think i've seen a picture they probably had like 20 games lined up yeah i'm assuming so we still have that we still have like this mystery clicking i don't know what it is it's really no no uh, yeah, i don't know i yeah, don't know I'm at a loss. whatever people are gonna complain no matter what um yeah but i don't hear it on my end if that helps so. um but yeah I, I spoke to some people who played it i mean i have i haven't played it so i don't you know i don't have a ton to say i the art package yeah i like the iron man art package so basically iron man is a a robot that fights that's all ultraman i believe ultraman what did i say Iron oh, Man. Ultraman. Ultraman is basically a robot that fights um, 
monsters. So it's like, like kaiju, yeah, right? kaiju yeah. stuff. So it's like Japanese. Yeah, it's like an old Japanese, based off an old Japanese TV show. There's also a comic book. The artwork for the black glasses from the comic book, probably, I think, the side art as well. But I, I remember watching that as a kid. I've got a bunch of, like, Ultraman figures around my house um, that my brother, you know, my brother gave me one from Japan or whatever. And I actually have, I pre-ordered a articulating one um, before Ooh. the game, before the game was even announced. I ordered this one from uh, Bandai. That's coming out. I think that might be coming out in September, but so I love the Ultraman theme. Um, but yeah, gameplay wise, I think it looks, I think it looks pretty interesting. I think some of the stuff that they've done, like the way that the in lanes are fed is pretty interesting. It seems like it's going to end up um, leading to like some pretty long ball times because of that safe feed. But yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, I can't really yeah, think like of Yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm excited to see the stream yeah. tomorrow and definitely excited to play it for sure. Um, and so you have a you have a Halloween. Now, is there a reason you went with Halloween over Ultraman? Um, it is my buddy Mark, who's got a few games down at the location. Uh, he was the one who really wanted this one. So that's why we went with yeah. it, as far as I know. Um, basically, I had heard that it was most likely Halloween ahead of time. Um, but I had not seen or like, wasn't hundred percent positive and I let him know. And he, you know, asked me, cause we bought a couple games together. You know, do you want to go halves on it? And I just really wasn't into Halloween, but I basically said, if it's Friday the 13th, I'll buy it. Uh, because that's the horror series that I'm super into. Uh, so that would have been, you know, I would have bought it, but instead it was Halloween and he went with it. Um, the Ultraman thing, I had heard several different rumors on what that second theme would be. I did know they were doing two different versions. Um, but I wasn't sure. Uh, I I just think, first, I just think the Ultraman one looks fun. Like it's a fun, goofy theme that you could do a ton with battling monsters on a retro retro robot. science robots, right? I yeah. mean, it's like yeah, and it's also like it, it just looks very enjoyable. Um, the sounds that I heard from a couple of the games that were being uh, video released from uh, Pinfest, uh, I liked what I heard. Uh, I'm excited to see them. Excited to play them. But uh, yeah, I mean, Halloween, that was just what Mark wanted. So that's what we were getting. And it's a theme we have, excuse me, uh, with the bar being like a, a kind of a heavy metal venue. There's a lot of our players who are like into that music. And that music tends to tie really well to horror in general. Like a lot of them go to horror conventions and stuff. So um, that appeals to me. And I just like horror movies in general. So like I like all that aspects about it. Uh, I'm really curious to shoot it, though. The layout looks very interesting to me. What did you uh, you have any thoughts on the upper play fields from what you saw? Um, I I didn't see enough okay. like anything to make any judgment based on you know their Spooky's own released video kind of like teaser videos of them and all the gameplay videos I saw were pretty short. Yeah. Um, I haven't spent a ton of time uh, going out and watching them though, just knowing ours is coming so early, I wasn't as worried about it. Uh, as soon as it gets here, we'll definitely stream it. Uh, so we'll we'll see. The only thing I, I heard about the upper play fields was just that it was they were tough, um, but but I also think it's it could be one of those things where it seems to me like a lot of the gameplay does take place on the upper play fields, right? It's not I don't I I could be wrong. I'd say I have I haven't looked into it at all. I mean it's so like I, I don't know. Like one quarter I, one quarter of the play field is covered by this tiered these tiered upper play fields. So it seems to me like that's an important, I, I, 
and we can kind of segue into the Mandalorian on this um, because the Mandalorian is also a game where you basically have one quarter of the play field is taken up by the like the mask the on the premium le is that articulating upper play field right mm-hmm. so it's the same kind of thing where it's like you you have a lot of a lot of real estate is being taken up by something that you would assume would lend itself to being more involved with the gameplay does that make sense yeah uh, because of the amount of space it takes up you think it'll be used more right. um on the same on the other like the other argument to that is because it is a big and predominant visible feature uh but you only use it on occasion, it makes it feel more special when you do use it. So, like, I see that side of it, too. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Uh, I did get to play. So, I've got the Mandalorian Pro. Uh, last week for my birthday, me and a buddy went to an arcade that's about 35 minutes away that has a Mandalorian LE. And we got to play the articulating or rot- uh, upper play field. And I will say it was really impressive. Um, I would not want to operate it personally. Yeah, He said even right out of the box, it did not work and it took like two weeks for them to get it fixed and operating. Uh, but it was very cool. I will say that I did find it way more difficult on the, that version, um, than on the pro. Although I think the pro can be pretty hard to get through all the challenges as well. But, uh, yeah, I'm still enjoying Mandalorian. So let's talk, so. let's talk Mandalorian. Cause I have spent some time on Mandalorian as well. They have one at the Richmond pinball collective and, um, yeah, so, Mandalorian. So here's my take on Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Um, I played a pro. I know that there are there are wireform ramps that are available through a guy on Pinside. Um, yeah, I actually have his prototypes being tested at North End oh. Pub, and I just got like the full production version uh, delivered yesterday nice. that I'm going to install tomorrow. Um, but yeah, they've been, the metal ramps are uh, a huge upgrade. If anyone out there has a pro, I strongly recommend the, the upgraded wire form versions. So, so my, so obviously I played the one, I played the one that has like just the production ramps. And I I will Mm -hmm. say like the thing that I'm surprised at how cloudy they are, like they're not like crystal clear ramps. Right, like it's almost like I th- it's because they're like they're they're curved. I think they think the curvature of like them ben, causes, like, causes that like a distortion to it. Like yeah. yeah, yeah, they're not they're not the best ramp. So, but because of that, especially on the right side, like underneath where the ramp is, it's like there's a lot of like really important shots. Like there's your super jackpot shot, and then like that area is just kind of like looks muddled because of that ramp crossing right over top of it. Um, so I've seen pictures of the wireforms and the wireforms look like an absolutely like necessary upgrade. Um, you know, one problem that the, the one at the collective had that I know that other places have had is that the diverter broke that feeds that upper right area. Yep. So with, with that out of commission, now I did get, I, I did have an opportunity to play, you know, several dozen games on it prior to that happening. And I guess I really, I really like, okay. My first impression playing that game is that I really liked it. Um, I like the theme. I've watched both seasons, the Mandalorian, when the second season came out, um, I was all in and 
So I, you know, as far as like the Star Wars theme, I think it's very digestible. You know, it's like the story is already there for Stern. So I think they did a good job in bringing in elements of the show. Um, obviously, like the child is a really huge feature on the play field. During gameplay, I will say that. So. Yeah, so my first impression was that I really liked it. And I enjoyed playing it. The code that I started playing it on, it was basically like you could just shoot up the center, the Falcon Crest shot, and you would start your multi-ball. You'd come out of multi-ball, and you could start. You could do the same thing again. Since then, I think new code has hurry-ups included in that center shot, so it's not just multi-ball and multi-ball, multi-ball. Now it's multi-ball, build your, build your hurry-up, and then do the hurry-up, and then multi-ball. Um, which is fine, but after playing it for a while, I started to, like, the upper play field area, because the challenges were always really hard for me, like, just getting up there and, like, getting anywhere with the challenges. And then with the child, so basically, like, half the play field just doesn't seem like it gets used that often. Like, the upper part... um, so a lot of your gameplay is happening, like certainly like your orbits are important, but it seems like everything is like with like in that bottom half of the play field. Does that make sense? Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, I just think it's interesting because I think about like a lot of the games that I've been playing recently, like my lineup, I've got some of the newer games by Stern, like all the shots seem like they're pretty sp- like, like just further back, Right. Mm-hmm. In this game, it's like there are, there are no shots that are further back. I mean, you have the upper right play field, so you're hitting those targets. But everything is like you, your shot is either made or it's not, like all in the bottom half of the play field. Yeah, I, I get that. Which is Which seems kind of – it just gets kind of – I don't know. It's weird. It seems strange that you're not really interacting as much with – the rest of the play field. It's just a place for the ball to almost travel through. Does that mean? Mm-hmm. It, so to me, uh, I know there was all these rumors as that game was coming, getting ready to come out that there was like ramp diverters and all this stuff similar to shadow. And I, I see the similarities in the shadow uh, personally, just with like the way the right ramp works, the lower right ramp, it reminds me of the left ramp on Shadow. The orbit shot, I think, is almost identical. Um, some of the stand-up targets are in similar positions to the Mongol targets. But I see what you're saying about that lack of anything as a long shot because of the fact that your ramp is what delivers it to that upper play field. And your center shot feeds that ramp, but there's no like specific... like The swinging target is very close to you, so you feel like you've already completed that shot, even if it doesn't go around. Right, and so... Um, but I, I think that my, it makes it play... It seems to me like it without that those longer shots, especially like, mm-hmm. I mean, I've been playing a lot of Elwin games where I feel yeah, like... Yeah, so you got the spinner in the back, you got the tower shot yeah, in the back. Yeah, but there's like there's a certain like level of accuracy that you have to have for those further shots that I don't feel mm-hmm. like you have in Mandalorian. Oh, see, I think I feel like you have to be more accurate because if you miss those closer shots, you have less reaction time. But I don't feel... Like, to me, the ball times have been much shorter at location for Mandalorian than any of my L1 games. Really? Yeah, because the L1 games, the shots are really long, but you have time to recover then. 
Whereas, like, if you're missing stuff on Mandalorian, those posts are sending it right back at you. Well, I mean, my experience with Mandalorian is, so with the center shot, so one thing is the center shot is so valuable. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't love that. I think it's really unbalanced because you, you shoot up the middle enough times, the ball comes out the left orbit, it's pretty easy to catch, it's pretty easy to drop catch, rinse and repeat, start a multi ball, go through your multi ball, you trap up, you shoot up the middle, you build your hurry up, you collect your hurry up, you shoot up the middle, you start your multi ball. I mean, it is when I step up to that game on ball one, I am trying to get through like every Falcon Crest multi ball. Now, certainly, like I want to stack my modes, but yeah. I'm just saying, like starting starting a mode, you know, it's like you shoot the you shoot the um, left scoop with your backhand with your left flipper, and it's a pretty safe shot. You do that two times. Oh, it is. It, I think that only works for your first two modes. It does. And then you have to hit the ramps. You do, yeah, it does. Um, and that right ramp, I think the right ramp and the right turnaround, I think that those two shots can be tricky. They're tricky. The feed from that little turnaround can be real deadly. Um, so my thing is, like, I hate shooting that middle shot. Um, not So I like how the shot feels. I hate how many times you have to do yes. it. So I've actually completely adjusted to where I almost only play that game for the modes and the encounters. And I avoid the middle shot as much as I can. And I instead start my multi-balls through super skill shots and through the foundry. Um, Wait, you can start your multi-balls through the foundry? Yeah. Uh, One of uh, the things you can buy is multi-balls ready. So I've only, so typically I'll buy that. And then I'll start my mode, and then I'll shoot my middle shot. So I'm stacking pro them, tip. and I don't have to shoot the middle. A ton. This is this is this um, is pr- this is a pro tip right here. Do not do the, not shoot the up the middle. Super anymore. skill shot is also so it's not valuable enough points wise. Like in competition, I don't know that I would play this way, but I just enjoy like seeing what's in the game right now at this stage. So the super skill shot, you have to hold the left flipper. What people so then the ball goes all the way around on your plunge. What people don't realize is you have to keep holding that flipper until it hits the left orbit switch, which is pretty far down to activate the super skill shot. So there's a decent amount of time before it passes that post till it hitches that hits that switch. So a lot of times people won't get that super skill shot. And then it's three parts. So you have to shoot the turnaround, the right ramp. And then your scoop, your left ramp, and your center shot will all be lit for different awards. So for me, I try to do that. And either, so the bad thing is if you shoot the middle, your multi ball just starts. So I don't like to do that one because I don't have a mode running. Right. But I instead try to shoot the left ramp because it then jumps right over an encounter. And there's a ton of encounters to get through. Right. Okay. On the upper play field. So I aim for that. And if you hit the left scoop, it gives you a mode start. Um, and then additionally, on top of that, it, it awards you like some best guard, depending on which shot you hit and stuff too. So like, that's why I try to avoid the multi-ball shot on the third shot for the super skill shot. Cause I'm getting that best guard and I could probably buy a multi-ball start anyway. Yeah. See that I, I will say like the foundry stuff, like I don't always, I don't always love the way that Dwight allows for awards to be earned. Like the pop bumper, like the pop bumper roulette shit drives me totally yeah. insane like i just hate it yeah that's that's why i kind of like the foundry over that because you have to actually earn the best right. car yes. and then you can buy the yes things. i think it's an interesting system i will say just like i'm conflicted because like i enjoy getting to the wizard modes and stuff yeah. but when i look at the depth of mandalorian compared to let's specifically the l games yeah. it's not there 
But in, where it's like the L1 games, I'm always trying to get like further and further into them, and my score happens to increase. On Mandalorian, I'm trying to get high scores, but specifically through like stacking with my multipliers. So I get really focused on like getting my multipliers yeah. going, and then starting a mode, and then starting my multi ball. The uh, multiplier, the multiplier stuff is still kind of elusive to me. Like I haven't gotten to. I don't really even mess with that. Like I just do the multi ball, hurry up thing. And oh yeah, no, you got You got to get multipliers going, man. It'll completely change how your score. What kind of scores are you putting up? Uh, and mind you, Tommy think, is also Tommy is also stood oh, on the stage so of Pinburg Finals, so yeah. he's a no. Solid I, on that LE that I played last week, I put up like eight hundred something, a little under nine hundred, I think it was. Um, typically on my machine, I'm consistently between like four and six hundred. I would okay. Say. I put up. I mean, I put up those numbers. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I still have not had. So that's. I think it's the other part that keeps drawing me back, and like why I'm finding it to be a good game is because to get that perfect stat going where I've got like a five X multiplier, a mode and a multi-ball, yeah. it's really tough. And then even once you get it, it's still tough to hit the shots you need to hit with the multi-ball going. Yeah. Um, no, I, I get so that. I, I'm I enjoying that. it. I, I think it's a, I think they did a, a great job. Like you mentioned with the theme and integrating it. And I think the game is like super far above where stranger things was for Brian Eddie to see it come back to this. Yeah. Um, the upper play field I could do without on, the like premium LE. Um, I will say the little, like the drop down ramp that's on the premium LE that's on the turnaround yeah. shot. I really wish that was on the pro yeah. that I really liked. Um, it was difficult to hit, but it was really rewarding when you, and hit. what is the purpose of that as far as gameplay? Um, like still like on, on the pro where that super jackpot lights and you have to shoot just that turnaround shot right. on the premium LE that drops down and that's your super jackpot. And it's a little harder to hit than the turnaround. Cause like the turnaround, you can backhand super. Yes. Easy. Super easy. Like it's the feed out of it can be kind of tough, yeah. but you can hit it on the premium LE, the backhand, it does not guarantee it's going to make it up that ramp. It's kind of like the tower ramp on drastic. Gotcha. Park. Like you need to hit it with some force. Gotcha. So it makes that a little bit tougher. Um, and it just changes the ball travel path. Like anytime you have a shot, I mean, that's part of the reason I love shadow. The fact that you could change the ramps to control the belt, the ball travel path. Yeah. That's what this is doing. The fact that that drops down and now your ball is coming back to your left side instead of coming to the right side. Like I enjoy those. And, and, and what triggers that? Is it, I mean, is that something, is that player? It, it became the ambush mode, uh, okay. which is like a hurry yeah, up yeah, that's yeah, within yeah. the game. Gotcha. It would drop. It, it dropped for super jackpots. I don't know what other times it might've dropped for. Um, but there was multiple times it was used within the game. Um, and, and going back to, I, I do like Mandalorian. I will say like the, the diverter at the collective broke. And so for a long, like I was still going in there and playing it and without having that upper right play field, even accessible it, that's, I think that's one of the reasons why I had the impression, you know, I, I have that impression of, Oh, it's not getting used. Yeah. Much. And then, and yeah, then I look over at the sense. child and I'm like, Oh shit. Like half the play field isn't really getting used. Um, yeah, the child didn't matter at all to me, even on the premium LE, like the magnet there. It's, it's always cool to see a magnet grab a ball, but like gameplay wise it didn't really alter or change anything to me it just doesn't seem like i mean they're rollover lanes that are taking up way too much real estate i mean that's and and on the pro yeah. it's like you can't even see them i mean it's yeah i don't know that's no you you can't see them yeah. on the le either that was no different um yeah i don't know they're interesting it's basically instead of being the pop bumpers for the random awards it's the rollover lanes on this one yeah so it's kind of it's still like a, a weird dwight integration of the rollovers um, I don't know how you're getting, 
your bonus X multipliers on this game still. Because I've had a couple of times where I've gotten really big multipliers. I don't know if that has to do with the child lanes or if that has to do with the Hunter or the Boba Fett stand-ups. Yeah, I don't know. Um, so I'm not sure where those are coming from. Uh, I do like the best card but stuff. Like, o- overall, I'm happy with yeah. it. And it, as far as like location game goes, it's been doing really well, well for me. Um, my diverter hasn't broken uh, somehow, which is amazing. Uh, my left ramp did break like on day one though. Yeah. Stern got me my replacement last week finally. Uh, so that's nice. And like I said, Stern, like, you know, give Stern crap for whatever, you know, stuff. But the reality is they, we've said before, they produce things really fast and they tend to take care of you. Like when things break, they tend to get, it yes, fixed I have, actually. I've had the same experience with my, um, yeah. like, with my Avengers. I, my, my stranger dr strange disc was having issues and they sent me a new one and they they were really yeah, my, responsive i will say that my jurassic park has had an issue really for a long time where like occasionally the gi on my lower left side of the play field will cut out and when it does that my flipper loses power for a second huh. and it's just been one of those things where like it would rarely happen and now it's become like where it's happening more yeah. i sent them video last week and they're replying with me and having me try different yeah. things I actually need to get back down there tomorrow and test out the next thing they told me. But it's they're they're doing a good job um, as opposed to like I don't know Deep Roots customer service, which it's weird because like right now you can't contact them via Facebook or their LinkedIn page. It's almost like they're trying to disappear. But yeah, <laughs> so thanks Stern for your great customer support and actually existing as a company that makes things and helps their customers out. So speaking of Stern and Stern being in the news, um, oh, it's on. It's on the Ocho right now, I think. Oh, it, yeah. If you if you're if you're watching ESPN right now, you could watch pinball, um, which is kind of cool. Um, yeah. But uh, this week, Steve Ritchie has left Stern Pinball and is now working at Jersey Jack Pinball. And yeah, that's kind of that's a that's a big deal. He's been at Stern for like close to twenty years, I think. Yes. Now I will say, like I I I like Steve because he's he's always, um, he's spoken his mind. So it will be interesting to see if he comes out and talks about this separation. Cause I think it was after Spider-Man he left. Is that right? Um, I can't remember if he left or if like, I think he designed Spider-Man. There's a few games where he was like on contract essentially. Okay. Like, but I feel like some point he was employed by Stern and then there was a separation and he was kind of vocal about, his displeasure with them. Am I wrong? Yeah, about I believe that? that. I'm pretty sure that that, that that's, happened. So I've only been around like 10 years now. So that's like pre my involvement, yeah. but I do remember there being some, like, I feel like Spider-Man was designed. Cause like, I know that he had special like Spider-Man, like a uh, side armor that had spider webs in it. Yes. And those were like Steve Ritchie's design. Like yes. they were a product you could buy from him, not Stern. Yeah. I think, I think it was time. right around the Spider-Man time that yeah. they had a I falling think that's out. How, just that was when Stern was doing pretty bad. I think Borg was like their only contract designer at one yes. point. And like Lawler did Monopoly, but that was an out of house pro- product that yep. Lawler designed. Yep. It was like Pat Lawler um, design. Yeah, I think that's how Spider Man was with Steve Richier. Maybe that was when he first got brought back, but there was something he did for them that was like that. What was the game? What what did Steve Richie design after Spider Man? Was it Game of Thrones? I'm no, those are separated by a long time, man. Um I'm looking it up right now. Spider-Man, for you. and then it was, oh, wait. Um, I'm trying to think of games that were made. You had CSI, 
No. Oh yeah, he's on one of those, up. and Lawler's on one of those. There's twenty. He did twenty four, and Lawler did CSI. Oh, that's right, twenty four. And then okay, so we have two thousand and three. We have Terminator three with Stern. Okay. Two thousand four, we hit Elvis. Two thousand six, World Poker. Two thousand seven, Spider Man. Two thousand nine, twenty four. Two thousand twelve, ACDC. And then Star Trek, Star Game of Thrones. Star Wars, Black Knight, Star Led Zeppelin. Wow. And now so that's that's Steve Ritchie since two thousand three. And now he's he is Steve is left and he is now at Jersey Jack Pinball. Um, he is. Yeah, that's kind. Obviously, that's I kind think of the big thing crazy. everyone's talked about already is the bigger production budgets at Jersey Jack Pinball because of their higher prices. Right. They allow their designers to throw more in the games. That's the the largest thing I've heard. Um. Obviously, eventually, at some point, I hope Steve comes out and does tell the story, or you know, if he wants to. If not, I don't really care, honestly. But it'd be interesting to know what the main reason was. Um, and then, but I know, yeah, typically his designs seem to take longer than some of the other designers at uh, at Stern. So I'm wondering if that production cycle just works better for him over at JGP, where he gets maybe two to three years to design a game versus like Owen's had a game come out every year. Yeah. Borg typically has a game out every year. Uh, for the brief time Trudeau was there, he was having a game every year. Uh, trying to think who else they have on design, but yeah, some other people seem to work a little faster than perhaps Richie did. So who do they, so Stern still has Borg, Eddie Gomez. Elwin. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, that's four. Then, I mean, if you're releasing four games a year, or three cornerstone titles a year. Co- like that's plenty of designers. And then you have Kapow, right? You still have Kapow. Kapow who Kapow. sneaks in for a game right. every couple of years. Yeah, because Batman and Elvira were probably, what, three years apart? Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, I think it's interesting. So it's, it's just hard to say. And then, so the other the other word is that Lyman is left, right? So that is, is that official or is that still kind of, <laughs> we don't know what's that's going on? That's not official. Okay. I was told that rumor uh, almost six weeks ago. Yeah. Um, I was told where he's working and I know somebody who works there and I asked them directly and they showed me the payroll that he's not on it. So, uh, part of what I heard at least wasn't true, Okay, but I, I do seem to, what's it where there's smoke, there's fire, right? I think there's something to do with that. And I think with Lyman, Lyman's one of those ones who continues to work on games for years and is known for having a slower development style, um, a lot of depth. And I'm wondering if Stern has just moved to like, I mean, they are very consistent in cranking out three to four games a year. Yeah. Nobody else is even close to that. So maybe he wants more time to work on his things, or maybe he just wants less work. That's another thing. Like, I don't know how old Steve is, but like, he can't be real far from retirement age, right? Right. Like, yeah. Like, just realistically, like, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but I just wonder, like, if if they're financially able, like, I think retirement's the goal for most of us. I don't think we all want to work our entire lives. So maybe they want something slower for the last few years where they can really dedicate. Like if these are going to be their last however many games, they really want to put more time and effort into it to make them what they envision. Uh, I mean, there's lots of possibilities. Who knows? But uh, yeah, that's interesting. Just because I I know back in the day, him and Lawler were known for not getting along well. And I thought it was interesting to see them in a picture together in front of Jersey Jack Pinball. I know they were very rivals, very much so. I think that's that's very interesting to me, though, because, you know, I think we with age tend to mellow out as humans 
and maybe you realize like your enemy was someone who could teach you something or you can teach them something. And no, no, Taylor says, I'm, no, a, I'm almost 50 <laughs> and I've just learned that like you just, Shit, I thought you were going on 60. Oh, Damn. fuck off. I no. <laughs> I'm almost 50 and I have learned that those people that you have like seething, seething hatred for that, that doesn't subside. Like once you have that seething hatred, you just, you just continue, you just keep it. And it just, it, it fuels you and makes you bitter and vengeful and. <sighs> okay. Sorry about that. Sorry. Uh, uh, all right. Well, we have, we have talked for a while. I'm trying to think like what else? So um, um, I want to say that I've heard rumors of a game being made that I'm excited about um, Godzilla I don't know if that's happening. If I've also heard rumors, and I'm very excited as well. I suspect a, a fall, maybe post expo release. If, but I don't know anything. Yeah, I need to. I need if somebody's got any information on that. If they want to reach out to me, I would. I would like that. I'd appreciate that. If you're a distributor that sells pinball machines for Stern Pinball, and you want to reach out to me to tell me about something about that, hit me up. Um, yeah, I already have the Sega Godzilla, and it's not a popular game at my location, but it's one of my favorite games. Yeah. And I would love to stick a Godzilla next to a Godzilla. Well, I have th- I um, have three Keith Elwin games behind me, and I would I, I would mean, like a yeah, fourth. If the rumors are true and it is an Elwin, it's going to be very hard to pass up because, I mean, Elwin just hits all the right right check marks, man. Are you still digging Avengers now? I know you had some mechanical issues, but so like, my mechanic, my so yeah, so I had a mechanical issue with my Doctor Strange spinner. I I actually I fixed the one I had. Well, I hacked it or whatever, but um, so that's working. I really like I really like the game. I mean, it's like, um, it's uh, one of the things I think is interesting about what Elwin has done is his games just play differently to me. Um, I, I'm trying to think like they just they just play so different. Like I don't necessarily feel like I'm playing the same designer's games. Um, it's so I, I know that he is blacklisted and he's not positive mentioned, but that was what I loved about Trudeau games was his layouts did not feel like you were playing a game by the same designer. Right. Like every designer was drastically different. That's what always appealed to me. Uh, now Elwin seems to be doing the same thing, but with greater rules Yeah, and it's super. Addictive. I mean, I think, I think that's, I think that's a big thing is like, I really like the way I like the way Avengers shoots. Like, I think the layout is really, I think the ra- lay- layout is great. The rules to me are still um i so jurassic park is maybe my my favorite game like oh um tommy just texted me i have to check the text uh oh so um jurassic park for me is probably my favorite game i i enjoy the way that you have so many different ways that you can approach the game. Like you can step up to it and you can go for visitor center. You can, you know, try to get your perfect paddocks, um, but not getting a perfect paddock does not stop you from progressing in the game. Like you don't even have to catch the dinosaur, but there's just so many different ways to approach how you play Jurassic park that I think may make it my favorite rule set 
that I've played. Um, and I think Avengers is just, it's just not there for the rules for me because I feel like you, I don't know. I feel like the gameplay, like the first, I feel like a lot of the, like when you step up, you always have the same objectives. So it's like, you know, you certainly you have different modes you can play, but it's still like, oh, you want to collect the characters so you can get to your first, like you can get to the soul gem. So it's like, you know that you need to get there first. And on Jurassic Park, you could, there's just a, there's just a ton of different avenues. So I really like Avengers. Like it's not going anywhere. I've started playing Jurassic Park again because uh, our friend Don um, from the pinball podcast, he has a Jurassic park now. So I started playing that to, cause we were chatting about it and I love Jurassic park. So I, yeah, re- I still think Jurassic park's my, my favorite. I yeah. think maiden's the best shooter. I think Jurassic park's the best game. And I like uh, almost everything about Avengers. It's just, it's a, it's a tough game. I would, so I would put event. Well, it is tough. And that's one of the things that I, I really like about it is that I, I feel like the ramp shots, especially it's like, they're makeable, but they're not as easily makeable as like elements in Jurassic Park or Iron Maiden. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. um, they're so far back. It takes a good shot. Yeah. You have to have yes, accuracy. Absolutely. I think that I would put Avengers above Maiden. Like, I would go Ooh. Jurassic Park, Avengers, then Maiden. See, I, th- I still think Maiden just shoots so well. But bottom line is they're all really good. They're games. all really good, <laughs> and they will look great with the Godzilla next to it they they would supposedly the room right here is that it has some crazy mechanism That's what I heard. which i'm guessing is going to be premium le's only i'm sure but all right i'm intrigued all right um all right man so that's probably it for our episode yeah that works for me man um you go back to school next week i yep i uh i go to work at the bar in like two hours same thing tomorrow and then sleep all day sunday monday i go back to school um i am going to do my best to get back to escape nublar um that is my i've i've gone to escape nublar through like regular gameplay i think three times now on jurassic park and i i think that that's going to be my that's my assignment for myself well, a couple more thousand more plays in the game, and I'm sure you'll get there. Man. I don't even want to look at the audits. Uh, man, so, so uh friend of the show, AJ, what he was posting about some audits on a Medieval Madness remake. What was it, like seven, oh, 17,000 yeah, like, plays or something like that? Something like that, just like, yeah. I mean, that's a lot of plays. Like that that, for, And it was a home-use home, game. That's, home-use that's only a, yeah. game. So if you have a game, if you, if you, if you, are, if you own games at your home, Look at your games and let us know what your highest audit is, total games played on whatever your home use only game is. I really want to see like what like what a typical person puts up. Yeah, my location games have less than your home games. Are so. you serious? By the Jurassic Park, I've had literally twice as long as you, and my my <sighs> plays are almost at half of what yours are. Yeah, I don't know. like it's uh, it's you play a lot of pinball, man. Another oh, another news saying, uh, Dennis. Wait, where's Dennis Norbin? He's he's working at CGC. He's with American Pinball. He's at American Pinball. So yeah, let's, American let, Pinball has a game coming soon. Quick, should be at Expo. Quick rundown. Super. This is what this is our new segment that we'll probably only do one time. Um, 
<laughs> okay, so American Pinball, do we have any news on a new game? We know Dennis Nordman's there. New game. They have a new game. I've been told it'll be at Expo. It's something I'm excited for. Uh, original theme, not a licensed theme. But you, you think you and know what it is, it. and you're just not telling me? Okay. Yeah, I'll tell you later, okay. but I don't know. American Pinball hasn't put it out there publicly, so I don't want to. Okay, um, and then there's a pinball company in Australia – Home Pin. They're home well oh, home, home pin, pin is doing uh seven eleven. <laughs> they're apparently. in China. Oh, they're in China. China, man. Apparently yeah. they're doing seven eleven, which I don't know that that makes any sense. So we'll move on from them. I hadn't even heard about Haggis that. Haggis Pinball is Fathom. CGC, the rumor is Cactus Canyon continued. And then yeah. a original title. I'm not sure what that is. Yeah. Um, and then we know uh, Spooky has Halloween and Ultraman. Ultraman, that covers them for like the next two years. Stern, we think, has Godzilla, and they I'm not sure what else. Maybe James Bond. Someone Maybe James Bond today. just heard that. Supposedly that's Steve Ritchie's last game before he left. And then Deep Root has no way to contact them. No way to contact Good them. Good luck, yeah. folks. If you sent money to Deep Root... Now might be a good time to find out where your money's at. <laughs> um, Tommy, man, it was good to talk to you. You too, man. Good to catch up. We'll do this again soon now that I'm not driving around all the time. Summer schedule's hectic for me. Back to school year, and I'm on like a normal human working thing. Um, if you come across a Walking Dead, hit me up. Or if you have information about Godzilla, hit me up. Yeah, and if you want to buy a crazy nice Volton, hit me up. And if you want to buy this flipping podcast T-shirts, you can go to pinballswag.com. Is that right? Did I make that up? Uh, Silver, Silver Ball, Ball Swag. Yeah. Silver Ball Swag. There's a, a shop. It's Silver Ball Swag, this flipping podcast slash North End Pub. We've just got kind of like our uh, logo on a few different things. And I got a, I've been having some different shirts designed for my location. So nice. uh, if you want to support either of those, go right ahead. Um, if you are looking to add some pinball art to your um, – basement arcade or your wherever uh check out tilt cycle obviously um also there's a skateboard deck out by uh, for creature skateboards by a guy a local artist to me i think it's jim callahan he did one it's the lar ball deck but i got one. oh tommy's got one i have one yeah. but I, I know a lot of people picked him up but it's really great See, i didn't know it was a local artist That's yeah cool. lo- yeah it's local to me he's uh it's barf comics on instagram but so i had to i had to order it from some canadian website it's the only place i could find it it is so yeah so they they were released and then they kept like restocking places and it seems kind of like that stock is running out so you might have to search a little bit for it but it's creature pinball but check it out if you go to barf comics or you go to creature creature skateboards not creature pinball if you go to creature skateboards you'll see it but like basically the underside is like a playfield layout and then actually the top side of the deck actually has a cool graphic as well but yeah so check that out and yeah we'll talk to you later and yeah be safe and keep each other safe, get vaccinated, wear a mask, do what you can do to stop the spread of the pandemic. Don't be a dickhead. Don't be an ass. And, um, got anything else sad? No, man, don't be, don't be an ass. That's a good one. I like that. Let's end with that. <laughs> All right, Tommy, I'll talk to you later, man. Later. All right, bye. Bye, everyone.